It all started with a very simple idea. Tell the stories of how successful middle market CEOs made it to the corner office. I'm Brand Handley, founder and managing director of Resource Options International, or ROI. We're the USA's premier executive search firm focused exclusively on empowering middle market companies to attract, hire, and retain A players while transforming top executives' careers and lives. ROI's Into the Corner office is dedicated to discovering how middle market CEOs advance their career, and we're making these remarkable and sometimes quite unbelievable stories available to you for the very first time. Listen and learn about the challenges they've overcome, the interesting people they've met along the way, and the lessons learned that steered these executives' unique journey into a middle market corner office of their own. I know you enjoy these CEO stories as much as I've enjoyed recording them. So thank you for listening today. And if you like what you've heard, rate us on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm looking forward to you joining me on the next great middle market CEO adventure into the corner office. My guest today is Steve Healy. Steve has overseen many leading brands across the fast casual industry, including Au Bon Pain, Baja Fresh, and Coffee Bean and Tea Leaf over a 20-year career. Prior to joining Veggie Grill as CEO in 2014, Steve was president and CEO of Earl of Sandwich, an international high-volume fast casual sandwich brand. Steve started his professional career at the full-service Mexican restaurant El Torito, where he advanced through the ranks at the company to assume leadership roles. He likes to spend his free time with his children, travel while experiencing veggie food and culture in restaurants around the world, distance cycling, and volunteering with at-risk youth. Steve Healy, welcome into the corner office. Thanks. Great to be here. It's my pleasure. (laughs) Ah, It's great to have you here as well, Steve. And as I mentioned uh, before we started the pod, we spoke a couple of months ago. You've been very busy. I want to hear about that and all the great things that are happening at Veggie Grill. Uh, But before we jump into that, tell us a little bit about the early years, you know, where you grew up and what your early family life was like. Yeah, I grew up in uh, Phoenix, Arizona. I was Mm -hmm. one of five kids, big family. So very, very active uh, life being in a large family like that. Both my parents uh, worked as well. Um, so we were, we were a middle-class family and, um, you know, just had sort of a, uh, a normal upbringing, um, you know, for that, that, that time. Were you oldest, youngest, somewhere in the middle? I'm uh, fourth in the birth order, so I'm next to youngest. Got it. So probably a combination of brothers and sisters, right? And uh, wh- what did your mom and dad do? Were they, um, you know, working class? Did they have their degrees, work professionally? Neither one of my my uh, folks had a college degree. So my mom was a telephone uh-huh. operator. She did that for a long time, like 30 years. Yeah, um, yeah. Back in the days when there were telephone operators. <laughs> my dad was in sales. Yeah. What type? What types of things did he sell? Uh, he actually sold um, and helped engineer um, HVAC systems. So, for example, if you're a company and you're doing a new uh-huh. project and you're going to put on all the air conditioning and heating systems, he would work with the engineers on the design of that and then sell them the products they needed um, uh-huh. to com- complete those projects. Yeah, I know a little bit about the industry. One of our clients out on the East Coast is a distributor of HVAC and heating equipment, Sid Harvey. They're uh, about a $200, $300 million uh, a family-owned business, third, fourth generation now, I think. And uh, yeah, it's a very interesting industry. One of those uh, evergreens, right? They're always going to be around. Yeah, my dad was uh, didn't have a college education, wasn't a classically trained engineer, but 
he actually um, got you know was pretty brilliant on the design side and actually did things that typically an engineer would do and he was involved in you know helping to pass a couple of things and very very self-trained very mechanically oriented he could my dad was a type that he could do anything um, mechanically whether it was wire a house fix a car you know do plumbing i mean he just uh it was really natural to him so um learned a lot about um handyman stuff from my dad for sure and uh what about um you know brothers and sisters sure i have two older brothers yeah. uh an older sister and a younger brother my oldest brother uh was a firefighter in phoenix for 40 years he just recently retired Oh, wow. My sister is a nurse yeah. and has been a nurse for her whole career. Um, uh, my next brother, two years older than me, was an um, aerospace engineer, designed um, jet engines and worked on a few different types of um, wow. aeronautical cool. engineering, satellites and that kind of thing. And then my younger brother, who's six years younger, um, works for one of the big uh, railroads. He's a railroad engineer, so he drives wow. locomotives and... Got it. Goes Got all it. over the country doing that. Yeah, cool. It's like a, a couple of the brothers took after dad, right? With the, their mechanical inclination. Uh, certainly my younger brother, yeah. Um, my my <laughs> oldest brother, his dream was always to be a firefighter. And he did that and lived his career and had a, a great, great career doing that. Awesome. What kind of, uh, you know, inspirational messages did you get from mom and dad or maybe some of those older brothers or sisters growing up? Were there, were there lessons learned in those early years that you've taken with you along the way? Oh, sure. You know, um, you know, my folks were from a different generation. You know, my dad grew up in the depression. Uh, he lost his father when he was 12 years old um, and fought World War II. So it was a generation where um, it was really impressed upon us kids that um, if you want anything in life, um, it, it, it doesn't come to you. You have to um, you have to work for it. You have to work hard. You have to you know be ambitious and you know, really um, go out and get what you want. Um, and so that, you know, that, that work ethic and, you know, from that generation, you know, both my parents, um, you know, sort of um, neither one had a college education. They didn't come from any type of affluent background. So it was really impressed upon us early on that, you know, if you want things in life, you've got to, you know, um, decide what you want go get it, work hard. And, um, you know, nothing comes to you e if for free or for easy, right? That was sort of the message. That's right. That's right. Were you encouraged to be a good student in school? Um, sure. Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, I think, you know, I, I personally early on made a commitment. I realized that, you know, I, I saw how hard my parents worked um, and, you know, the, the disadvantages or, or hurdles that they had not having a college education. So that was one of the things I committed to myself early on right, that I was always right. going to pursue higher education. And I realized that that was important. And, um, you know, I enjoyed school. Uh, I wasn't a straight A student by any means, but I was a good student. <laughs> right, and, uh, right. I generally worked pretty hard um, to get um, good grades. Awesome. What about outside of class? Are you involved in sports, music, theater, anything like that? Yeah. I mean, I was, I was involved in athletics quite a bit. And, you know, that was, um, Mm -hmm. something throughout um, grade school, high school, college. Um, you know, I was involved in a, a lot of different athletics, you know, from tennis to, um, you know, like a lot of kids played little league and flag football and pop Warner. 
Um, when I got into high school, I was uh, a pretty serious athlete. Um, my two sports were football and wrestling. Um, my primary sport was mm. football. So, um, that, that was something that, uh, was a big part of, of, you know, my, um, early years was athletics. And in fact, I, I played, um, football all through high school and then into college. Oh, into college as well. Cool. Cool. What about entrepreneurial things? You know, you, you've certainly had, you've had a entrepreneurial career where there are things that you did younger in the early days, you know, have ubiquitous uh, paper route or involved in money raising schemes as you grew up. My folks were, were not, um, you know, they, they encouraged us early on to um, pursue our own path in terms of earning money. You know, we didn't get big allowances and that kind of thing. So I started, I started exploring working early on and, you know, I had a paper route. Um, I actually cut lawns, I think, starting when I was like right. 10 or 11 years old. I'd go around the neighborhood with my lawnmower and, you know, cut lawns for 5 or $10, um, get a paper <laughs> route. Um, and, you know, my first restaurant job was when I was 14 years old. Um, my first job was uh -huh. as a dishwasher um, in a little yeah. Mexican restaurant yeah. in Phoenix. My sister was a waitress there. My brother was a cook. And one, one, <laughs> yeah, so my, so my, my business in that regard, huh? <laughs> yeah, my entree into the restaurant business was one night, my brother gave me a call. I was at home and he said, you need to get in here right away. And I go, well, what are you talking about? And he said, our dishwasher quit <laughs> and you, you've got a job washing dishes. And so I was like, okay, I'm there. <laughs> Show up. Yeah. <laughs> I worked in restaurants all through high school and through college. I mean, I did some other things to earn money. Um, in summers and that kind of thing. But, um, you know, that, that was the beginning of my restaurant career. That's awesome. And were you socking the money away for uh, college or were there uh, special things that you treated yourself with over the years with uh, that extra bread? Sure, both. You know, I mean, the big thing for me is I wanted to have my own car. Mm -hmm. So that was my goal um, early oh, on yeah. was to save money for a car. Um, so that was, you know, kind of, you know, my initial dream was have some spending money and be able to buy sneakers and you know, whatever things that I wanted to buy, but I, I was really focused on, um, on buying my first car. What car did you decide on in the end? Uh, well, I really wanted a Camaro, you know, I wanted a Camaro, but, uh, um, ended up getting, um, okay. actually ended up getting a little mini pickup. Um, but, uh, yeah, that was a big deal for me to get my first car. That was, uh, sort of my first, first goal in the working world to save for, save for a car. <laughs> That's awesome. That's awesome. How did you make your decision about college? And and you went to Madison, I think, right? And what, what made you decide to go there? Yeah, actually, I had a little bit of a circuit route in college. So um, I, yeah, mm -hmm. I, coming out of high school, um, I wanted to play, um, play football, athletics. And so um, I was recruited by some small schools, but I really wanted to to play in a bigger school. And I wasn't good enough out of high school to play in a big four-year sort of, um, you know, division a school. So I went, D1. Um, yeah. I actually went to yeah. junior college for two years and played uh, football in junior college at Scottsdale community college, which had a great program. Oh. We were actually the national champions, uh, my sophomore year, uh, which was great. So went there on athletic scholarship. Awesome. And then, uh, um, after I finished junior college, um, I went to the university of Arizona, um, uh, ostensibly to play football there, had a, had a knee injury in the off season and that sort of ended my uh, football mm. career. Um, Got it. but, um, 
Yeah. And then went to, went to University of Arizona, came really close to getting my degree. And I actually, I was working um, for a company called El Torito at the time. And I was offered the opportunity to get into their management program. So I had a decision to make, um, you know, do I, you know, continue and finish my degree or do I get into restaurant management? And I decided to um, pursue the management path, which at the end of the day was a great decision. And then I went back later to finish my degree um, from Madison University. Um, I got my got I my bachelor's and my master's yeah. from, from Madison. Awesome. Awesome. So did you go into the management program with El Torito? I, I remember them, by the way. We had a uh, El Torito down in Ventura, just down the road from me in Santa Barbara way back when. They were a really hot concept. They sort of were the biggest. Um, they were a Mexican restaurant. Casual thin yeah. Mexican restaurant. They, they were. They yeah, were growing. Street. It was an exciting time. Um, you know, I started yeah. working for them part time in college and, um, you know, did was a waiter and a bartender and um, ended up becoming sort of a they didn't call it a shift manager. It was like a head waiter. You helped make the schedules for the waiters and that kind of thing. And um, the guy who was my general manager right. saw right. some some talent in me and really encouraged me to look at getting into the management program. And uh, he was a good mentor. Awesome. And so ended up uh, becoming a, a restaurant manager with them or assistant manager, they called it. Um, mm -hmm. Did that for about a year, became a general manager. I think I was 22 years old and I got promoted to uh, general manager of this big high volume casual theme restaurant. And then I spent 10 years at El Torito. So I kind of worked my way up. I was wow. a general manager for about a year, then became a district manager and a regional manager, and then like a regional VP of operations. So um, got a great education there. At the time, there were a lot of super talented people working in the company. I had some really strong mentors, uh, made some great relationships, mm. um, had the opportunity to open a lot of restaurants, go to new markets, um, go to markets that needed to be fixed and turned around. Uh, I moved around quite a bit during that time um, yeah. and, uh, you know, sort of got a reputation as um, somebody, if they needed to have somebody come in and, and get a market going in the right direction, then. <laughs> a fixer. <laughs> you were a fast, fat, fast, casual fixer. It sounds like. <laughs> yeah, that was, um, so I had a, I had a, I had a great run with them and, and learned a lot um, in that experience and had some really good. Great mentors. company. So that's obviously where you first started managing people, right? Was it El Torito? Yeah. Yeah. That's where I yeah. first started managing people. What do you remember from some of the challenges that first, that first management job? Yeah. I think, you know, one of the biggest challenges, um, at least at that time in the restaurant business, there wasn't a lot of focus on um, leadership development skills mm -hmm. for somebody that was, you know, new to, let's say, uh, a, a general manager position, or particularly when I became a multi-unit manager. Um, right. And, you know, so it, what, there wasn't a lot of intentional development. So, you know, I sort of took it upon myself to be a student and try to align myself with, with folks that I felt could mentor me and establish those relationships so I could get the benefit of, you know, learning from others that were successful and that I admired yeah. and that were willing to invest time in me. And, um, and then I sort of modeled myself after some of those early mentors and mm. was fortunate to have some really good early mentors. What were some of those lessons? I just to double click on that a little bit. Some of the, you know, early leadership lessons you had from former bosses and mentors. Sure. Um, I think, you know, establishing um, trust and credibility, number one, mm. you know, I think it, it, in managing others, it's really important that um, you 
um, have high integrity, that people can trust what you say and that you're willing to be a person of your word. I mean, at a fundamental level, I think I learned early on that relationships are important. And if you're, if you're going to, um, get the best out of your people and, um, you know, really have a great team, um, you really have to establish those personal relationships. And, you know, I think one of the, one of the real learnings for me early on was, you know, you can't manage everybody the same. That's right. Um, and you know, you make some mistakes along the way. And, um, so that was one of my early mistakes was thinking, okay, I'll just, I'll just manage everybody the same, or I've got my style and everybody can adjust to my style. <laughs> they got to get used to me. Right? And yeah, it doesn't, it doesn't quite work that way. You know, you have That's to be right. more of a situational manager and look to, um, to manage each person individually. And, you know, the, 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 I think everyone earlier in their career, I'm no exception, you make a lot of mistakes. And so, you know, being willing to learn from those mistakes and, you know, I, I, I think like a lot of people, I'm often my worst own critic, um, sure. which, um, you know, I, 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 early on, I said, okay, well, I'm gonna, I'm gonna learn from my mistakes and use it as, as a way of, um, improving my performance. And, and, you know, I think that that's sort of stuck with me, you know, throughout yeah. my career. Awesome. We, we've all had bosses in the past that perhaps weren't the best examples, but sometimes some of those are the best examples in what not to do, right? And how to manage others. So without mentioning any names, do you remember uh, other experiences you've had perhaps with bosses that you, you know, just said, oh gosh, I, I can't wait to move on from this guy, but, or a girl, um, but you met and let, or rather learned some things that were really important in terms of kind of the things that, you know, you shouldn't be doing as a manager. Oh, sure. Yeah. I mean, yeah, I think if, if you, if you can remain unemotional and objective, you can learn as much from what not to do as what to do. Um, and I think that, you know, and it depends on sort of the role that you're in. I mean, earlier on in my career, um, I think that, you know, I, I had a very strong work ethic and so I wouldn't, you know, it's sort of a fundamental management principle, but you know, I wouldn't ask my team to do anything that I wasn't willing to do, or at mm. least that, that I wasn't willing to show them that I had the same level of commitment that I was asking from, from them right. and right. sort of lead from the front. And, you know, I've, I've worked for some folks that, um, adhere to that principle. And then other folks that would direct, um, direct that, but wouldn't be willing to invest the time themselves. And I think having a high level of engagement and commitment in what you're, what you're doing and commitment to your team, you get that back. And so, you know, I've worked with some folks that, you know, sort of manage from a distance and I was always, uh, you know, kind of self-motivated. So that didn't, it didn't really bother me, but, um, you know, I think to, to be effective, you know, you have to have that level of engagement with your team. That's right. Um, That's right. Where they, I think, probably in the service industry, hospitality in general, but certainly in the restaurant field, that the "do as I, you know, say, not as I do" principle just doesn't work. Right? You've, you've got a lot of hourly employees, folks who, you know, probably see things pretty much black and white. <laughs> you know, they're not politicians; they're there to earn a good uh, wage, and uh, you know, they like people who roll up their sleeves. Oh, sure. Absolutely. And I think, um, you know, the other thing that I, I learned is people want to know the whys. So yeah. you can tell somebody to do something, but if, if you're willing to invest the time and to explain the whys and bring people along with you, then you have a better 
shot at getting people to support what it is that you're 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 trying to accomplish so true and you know as i sort of evolved in my career later you know i've got a, a saying it's like people people support what they help to create mm. and so i i think getting people involved in in your vision and um bringing them along and hopefully as you bring them along they learn something so there's something in it for them um is is critical and i you know I, what i what i always told the people that work with me is that I not only have a commitment to them as their boss, I have a commitment to them for their career and their career development. It's, it's a, it's a voluntary relationship. (laughs) So they they have to be willing to invest the time and energy. And if they're willing to do that, then I'm willing to invest the time and energy, not only in helping them in their role, that, that their functional role, but also in the development of, of their career and their capabilities and, and their skills. Yeah. Personal commitment. So important. So, so, uh, veggie grill, and I want to hear a little bit about in a minute, uh, how fast you guys have been growing, but it's actually your second CEO assignment. You were the CEO of the Earl of sandwich before you came. Um, so back in those Oh, it's a third. Okay. Pardon me. <laughs> what was the one I missed? Uh, I was CEO of a company called the Simcoe Group in San Francisco. Okay. Um, that was, my, that was my first CEO stint um, awesome. Um, awesome. a few years ago. And I did that for about four years. I was, uh, yeah. it, it, it was early, you know, earlier in my career, um, which was a fantastic so- learning experience. Yeah. So, so my question is back in those days when you joined, you know, El Torito 20 plus years ago, did you ever think you'd make it to a C-suite? Was that kind of in your sights or did your, you know, career journey kind of evolve over time? It evolved over time. I mean, when, you know, when I first got in the industry, it was sort of like, let me see if I like this and if it's something I want to do for the rest <laughs> of my career. <laughs> right. Cause right. that certainly wasn't like a lot of people that end up, um, in leadership roles in the restaurant business. Um, a lot of folks don't grow up saying, Hey, I want to, I want to be in the restaurant business. <laughs> right. And right. That, that certainly wasn't my you know career goal in college. I, I had, you know, most people work for tips. If I remember my, my, my mindset back in those days. <laughs> yeah. Um, it, and, and so my, my goal was to, you know, do, do, um, pre-law and then go into law school, which, you know, ended up not uh-huh. happening, but I'm, I'm certainly, um, I'm I certainly have no regrets. Um, so yeah, it was, um, uh, so, but yeah, early in my career, I just, I just wanted to be successful and I wanted to, um, you know, build a career for myself and, right. and be a leader. And then, you know, as I, as I moved in my career and, and, you know, um, progressed and developed, um, yeah, I think that that was a goal of mine to eventually run a company, um, right. a, a, as well as, you know, be an executive. Yeah. Awesome. And so uh, let's talk a little bit about Veggie Grill. You've been there, I think, a little over two years, if I'm not mistaken. Perhaps um, a actually, longer. I've been here five years. I just... Five years. Okay. Yeah, I just got celebrated it. my, my, my five-year anniversary. Again. No, that's okay. <laughs> Congratulations. Congratulations. So so tell us how things are going. How many employees? How many locations now? And tell us a little bit about your concept. Yeah, sure. So you know, Veggie Grill, uh, we currently have 36 restaurants. We're the, wow. the largest... Um, 100% plant-based fast casual brand in the U.S. Yeah. Um, and we have probably close to a thousand employees. Um, wow. you know, we're awesome. current, we're currently in, uh, five different markets. Um, we have restaurants up and down the West coast from San Diego to Los Angeles to the Bay area, Portland, Seattle. Uh, we just opened our fourth restaurant in Chicago. We went to Chicago last year. Um, awesome. we opened our first Boston area store, um, 
uh, this last month. Um, and then we're opening our first New York location uh, next month. Oh, congratulations. Will that be Midtown or where will that be located? Um, our first location is in the Flatiron District. So it's, okay. um, nice. it's okay. actually about, uh, it's, it's right off of Madison Park and it's about yeah. um, a quarter block from the, the Flatiron Building. So it's a great location and we're very excited about um, getting open in New York. Yeah, it sounds like you've had tremendous consumer response. Did, did, were you part of the founding team? Things up and running, or did you come no, in? I was not. No, the company was founded about 13 years ago here in Southern California. Okay. Um, right. And our, our two our two co-founders um, are on our board. They're they're not um, they're not active in the day to day business, but obviously very supportive. And they've gone on and to found a very successful um, venture capital firm called mm. Power Plan Ventures which specializes in investments in the plant-based space and um, right. do, doing uh, fantastically well with that venture. So um, they're, they're great resources in terms of the plant-based space and trend and um, great partners in the business. Yeah. So, so you've had to kind of somewhat inherit a company culture, but over the last five years, you've built on that as well. Tell us a little bit about what the company culture is like at Veggie Grill and, and maybe what's unique or unusual about it. Yeah, our company culture is really unique. We've always had a very, very strong and unique company culture, um, you know, based on um, the the concept has a lot of inherent good. You know, we're helping mm -hmm. people improve their their wellness. We've always had a um, culture that fosters engagement with our guests amongst our team members, mm -hmm. a very positive, we call it positive vibe, a, uh, a culture that that recognizes and encourages positive vibe and engagement amongst all of our team. Um, and, you know, this, um, this idea that, you know, it's, it's founded on mutual trust and respect mm. and, you know, everybody, um, everybody's in this collective. Um, the way the culture's really evolved is we're, we really evolved into a purpose, um, a purpose led brand. And, um, so this idea that there's more to being a 100% plant-based brand than just um, the food is inherent right. in, in the direction that is now shaping our culture. And, um, you know, we, we have a tagline that says making food matter more and food really does matter more. So being the leaders in this 100% plant-based movement, we have an opportunity both, you know, engaging our team members and also the public in this movement um, towards um, plant-based eating. Awesome. And, you know, there's a lot wrapped up in this. I mean, at a base level, I think for, for our team and for the consumer, we know that we're, we're, we're doing a lot of good starting with, we're helping people eat better right. and improve their health and wellness by eating this craveable um, plant-based food. But also we're showing that, you know, by being a part of this plant-based movement, you can also impact the future of the planet. That's right. That's a better, better carbon footprint, right? Too, in terms All of that, of the, you know, depending yeah. on which study you read, you know, 25% of greenhouse gas comes from livestock. A lot of right. the degradation of the environment, whether it's, you know, um, the burning of the Amazon to graze cattle and the whole industrial food system has a huge negative impact on the environment. And so, you know, we're showing, you know, one of the simplest things you could do today to have an impact on, on whether it's global warming or environmental degradation is to eat a plant-based meal. Right. Um, so, you know, there, there's a lot of purpose to what we do and it's a sense of community in the sense that, 
you know, we're, we're in this together with the consumer, with our team members, and that we're really, mm-hmm. we, we really make a difference at Veggie Grill um, in serving this food and, and, and welcoming all eaters that are, and everybody's on a food journey um, today, at least most, most um, consumers that are enlightened with particularly the younger generations of millennials and Gen Z right behind them. Um, everybody has sort of figured out that, you know, diet is one of the, the key things in wellness, right. but yeah. also, you know, people have very specific nutritional needs nowadays that they're trying to meet, whether it's, you know, gluten-free or um, a lot of folks are now aware of food allergies and how it affects right. um, how they eat, but also specific yeah. diets. You know, there's, there's every permutation of different, you know, sort of curated diets now, whether it's paleo or um, keto or whole 30. And so we're ready to meet those needs for today's mm. consumer who's looking to ha- have a specific regimen, whether it's, I, I want to try eating more plant-based foods one day a week, or right. I eat, um, vegan and all I eat is plant-based foods. So we're here to help people on that journey and understand mm. that it can be delicious and craveable. And by the way, you're doing a lot of good, um, for the future by being a part of this movement and joining us in our purpose. What do you look for when you're investing to, or making bets on people you're going to invest in to hire at uh, Veggie Grill? I think number one, having a connection to our purpose mm-hmm. in some way. I mean, everybody has a food story from how they grew up. Everybody has, everybody's on their own food journey. Right. And so at a baseline, we, we, we look to, to partner with, with team members who are in, you know, energized by our purpose. It doesn't mean they have to be vegan or eat hundred percent plant-based, but I think, um, wanting to be a part of this, this, this purpose and this movement is probably number one, um, that, 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 that really resonates with them and they feel like that's important to them. Right. Because if, if our team members don't reflect that, then the consumers aren't going to feel it. And, um, it, it's so much more of a natural fit for folks yeah, coming right. in if they, if the purpose means something to them. You know, if you have somebody who doesn't care about food, doesn't care about what they eat, doesn't care about the environment, that's probably not going to be a good, good, good fit for <laughs> good, the culture. And is that, does that permeate throughout the organization, your executive suite, as well as the frontline employees? Sure. No, there's, a, there's, yeah. a, there's this shared vision that we have. And I think, mm. you know, what, what I'm extremely grateful for and fortunate is that we have a highly engaged team, you know, particularly at a leadership level. Um, you know, we all work really hard and everybody has a lot of pride in what they do. But I think for right. our team, they really do believe in the purpose of the company and that and that we can have an impact. And I mean, it's it's one of the huge reasons why I came to Veggie Grill, yeah. because, you know, I think the hospitality business is a unique business and it's about serving people. And a lot of us get into this business because we enjoy the energy and the people interaction and being of service. Right. But um, this is a little bit unique in that we're not just, you know, only creating a great food or service experience, but we're also, you know, showing people that being a part of this movement can have an impact beyond the meal and beyond today. Well, it's a lifestyle. It's a lifestyle decision, isn't it? Um, for some people, for yeah. some people it is, I think it's right. more about the, the great thing about this purpose is it's real, it's authentic. And so I know when I get up in the morning and I know this is true for a lot of our team members, 
it's like, okay, you know, what impact am I going to have today on others? And what impact am I going to have today on, on the future of, Mm. of, of the planet? I mean, at veggie grow, you can honestly say I am, (laughs) whether you're, whether you're a cashier or a cook or a manager or an executive, you can answer that question by saying, I am, I am having an impact and I'm going to do some good today. Um, and, you know, I think that that's it, our, our team's really engaged and they really believe in, in not only the, the, the concept and the brand and what we're doing, but also um, this purpose. And, you know, yeah. it's, um, so I think we all we all have that shared purpose. It's very collaborative um, at Veggie Grill. Um, you know, everybody, uh, a spirit of innovation really infuses our team. Um, mm. We really foster this idea that. Um, you know, yes, we want to be on trend, but also it's about really looking around the corner, um, because what we're seeing is a transformation of the food system, but also this this giant transformation in the consumer set and how they want to use restaurants. And I'm sure that, you know, there's a lot of out in the restaurant press about this, but the consumer is now really defining and redefining how they want to use restaurants, whether it's. Yeah. They want food delivered in their living room instead of getting right. getting in their car and driving to a restaurant to dine. They want to experience brands digitally. They want to have a different level of engagement with brands than mm-hmm. in the past. So it's it's a it's a disruptive but really interesting time in the restaurant business. So, you know, at Veggie Grill, we're always looking to innovate where our customer is today, but also where we where we believe they're headed. And so that spirit of innovation, you know, infuses what we do. It's, it's, it's sort of core mission for us to continue to, to innovate, um, to meet these, you know, to, to intersect with where the consumer's headed. Yeah. Awesome. Well, we're just about out of time, but I've got a, just a couple of last questions and, um, you know, I'm sure you're involved in a lot of the hiring, certainly for your own direct reports, but I'm sure from time to time, you probably get involved in one or two levels down and maybe, you know, let's pick a time where you might've only had five or 10 minutes, right. To interview someone. What, what do you zero in on? What, what kind of things are you looking for? What kind of qualities are you looking for people that you're, that you're, you're investing in at that stage? Good question. Um, I mean, typically one of the things that I want to, I want to understand with someone who's thinking about joining our team is what's their vision for their career and, mm-hmm. you know, what's their vision for, you know, their, their impact and how do they view that, right? Whether it's their own, you know, ambitions for ultimately where they want their career to head. Um, but I, I always want to understand, you know, what, what's somebody's vision for their own career and how do they view themselves um, as a leader? And, you know, do, do they actually have a vision or is it sort of, I'm just looking for my next job. So that, that I always, I always like to, to, um, to get insight into how people view their own, the, the vision for their own career and their own impact. Yeah. Very key. Uh, last question. And, and again, you've been so generous with your time, Steve, but we asked this of all our CEO guests, you know, what career and life advice would you give to someone who, you know, is maybe starting out as you did 20 plus years ago at uh, El Torito and re- maybe has their eyes on, you know, management opportunities down the road? Yeah, I think, the, um, don't be afraid to fail. I think a lot of folks, um, um, are afraid to fail. They're afraid to take some risks. Um, and I know that, you know, I've taken some some risks in my career, and generally, out of those risks have come a significant amount of learning that I probably wouldn't have gotten if I I'd played it safe. 
Um, right. And so I think, you know, taking some, even risk, if there was failure involved, right? <laughs> yeah. Be, being willing to fail, but not looking at failure as failing as a person, yeah. but as part of the learning process. And I mean, if you make the same mistake repeatedly, then, then that's a derailer and that's something to look right. at and, right. and examine as an individual um, and part of somebody's development. Cause we all have derailers, but I think, you know, being willing to, to take some risks, um, and, you know, be willing to, you know, put your heart into what you're doing. You know, I've seen yeah. a lot of folks that are really smart, really talented, but they don't put their heart into it and they don't ever seem to get where they think they should be. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, I, I tell people, you know, when I, when I coach people is no one's going to invest, uh, as much in your career as you are. So you, you, you're in the driver's seat in terms of your own development and career. And so you've got to make that commitment to yourself before others are willing to make that commitment to you. Mm, that's great. I'm going to sneak one last question because you talk so much about mentoring and I really like that, Steve. You know, obviously as a CEO, it's hard to be a mentor, perhaps to people within your organization, but do you step out and, and are you a mentor to others, perhaps in other industries or to other companies? Um, yeah, in terms of other industries, I mean, I, I think in my career, I've, I've um, you know, any success I've had, has been um, due to um, building great teams and um, establishing those mentoring relationships to help people along in their career and help them develop. Um, and and I have at times mentored people outside the industry that you know have have sought out my help or assistance or my point of view. And to the extent that I, I can, I, I I'm always willing if somebody seeks me out and asks for you know that type of relationship. Whenever I, I can, I, I've looked to um, because I really enjoy that part of, of yeah. my role is, is is watching others grow and and you know I'm I'm proud that a lot of the folks that I've mentored over my career are now very successful executives in the restaurant business. So I get a lot of satisfaction out of that. But yeah, um, yeah, I think any success I've had has has been um, because of the teams that um, that I've worked with and the folks that have developed in their career over time. And, um, and I, I always look to foster those kind of relationships when, when, when the student's willing, um, I'm willing to be there. Awesome. Well, Steve Healy, CEO of Veggie Grill, thank you so much for sharing your journey into the corner office. It's been my pleasure. And uh, thanks for the time today. Thank you for listening to Into the Corner Office with Brant Hanley. We hope you enjoyed hearing our guest CEO story as much as we did. If you want to hear more CEOs reveal their journey into the corner office, please subscribe via iTunes and tell your friends and colleagues. For more information about Brant, Resource Options International, and the mighty middle market, visit www.goforroi.com. We look forward to having you join us for our next episode.